podcast on leading as an introvert. My name is Caroline Kohlhoff and I will be the host of this show. I'm also a coach and a trainer for introverts and I have written a book on introvert leadership. For this first episode, I have interviewed best-selling author Jennifer Kahnweiler about her new book, Creating Introvert-Friendly Workplaces. Jennifer will be sharing her latest insights on creating introvert-friendly workplaces and introvert leadership in general. Jennifer, thank you very much for taking the time for the interview today. I'm ha- so happy to be here. We will be talking about your new book today, but mm-hmm. I'm also very curious since we share an interest in introversion and introvert leadership. Uh, I've been doing a lot of research on, on introversion. I've spoken to psychologists alike. I've read like all of the material there is in, in scientific world. And I have seen that there is not one single definition of introversion. So I'm very, very curious to hear your uh, definition of introversion. Yeah, isn't that, isn't that interesting? I heard, I heard once somebody say, well, if you're an introvert, you know it. I thought that was quite, quite interesting. And my definition, actually, Caroline, has emerged in the last you know, 11 or 12 years that I've been working in this area. But it typically, um, for me, it has to do with, um, for introverts, needing time for quiet. That's kind of like, I call it in the one book, the deal breaker. It's like, if you ask an introvert, must you have quiet time? They'll, they'll say, absolutely. Now, if you ask an extrovert, they kind of, it's like a, a nice to have versus a must have. So, you know, it's the typical, it goes back to Carl Jung when he talked about energy sources. And, and I used to, when I hear, heard that, I didn't quite get it. But then after working in this area for a while, introverts get their energy uh, from in their heads, inside themselves, right? That's where they get re-energized. That's where they fill up the battery. And extroverts opposite, they get deflated if they've not had that people stimulation. But where people get confused is they think introverts don't like people. And that's, you know, we can talk about that. That's absolutely not true, right? Indeed, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, we're a, good, we're a good example of introvert, extrovert, you know, combination. Yeah, yeah. We can check in with each other. Sure, yeah. So how would you explain, because you linked that to like the Carl Jung definition, that like the scientific world has abandoned all of that theory, that they went into like another path with that? Tell me more when you say they abandoned the theory. I mean, I think it depends. Like we said, there's different viewpoints. Yeah, yeah well, like yeah. the psychologists I spoke to, they, they don't use uh, Carl Jung and MBTI anymore because it cannot be validated because Carl Jung used to be, do experiments that you cannot reproduce. Same well, yeah. Go on. Yeah, no. Um, I, I think we're looking at one set, one section. Yeah, there's people that feel differently about Myers Briggs. You know, Caroline, I'm a very practical person, so I base a lot of my data, and I know you do in yours, qualitative research and anecdotal research, and you know the thousands of people I've worked with. And I really came into this as a Myers Briggs person, and I still am, but I'm, I don't base it on testing as much as I do on what people connect with. And I mentioned that I'm, you know, that I'm, uh, I've emerged, my, my feelings about, or my thoughts about introversion have, have changed. So it's, they haven't changed from the basic energy piece that Carl Jung talked about. I don't believe that, you know, and we can, we can, and there are people that disagree, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it interesting, right? Uh, but I think the idea of the spectrum is what I, like to bring into discussions 
Um, and we hear about that in other elements of neurodiversity, right? That mm -hmm. if we think about it as a bell curve, people can relate to that because they most people are in more towards the middle, yeah. you know, yeah. of the bell curve, right? Uh, they um, they can go back and forth from introvert and extrovert, but they do prefer one over the other. This is what I found. Some people use the term ambiversion now, yeah. and when I'll ask an audience, and I'll, after explaining what the differences, you know, between introvert, extrovert, ambivert, which is more like ambiversion of ambidextrous. Mm -hmm. I just look at what, what people relate to. And people do tend to identify, they like to identify with one or the other. Yeah. Now, we do have outliers, like in any bell curve, you have outliers, and I kind of laugh about it. But uh, that is true that uh, some introverts will say to me, I am a hermit. Maura Ahrens Malley, who you may have read her book, Hiding in the Bathroom, she is a proud hermit. She is very much on the very extreme introverted side. Uh, and then you have extroverts who are, there are some, we all, I have a friend like that, several actually, who never stop. You know, busy, 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 always have to be stimulated by outside yeah. stimulation. Yeah. You know, have to be talking, have to be out there. Um, so that's kind of where I've evolved with that, that, you know, most, I don't know if you have found that in your work with clients, um, that they identify with one or the other. Have you, what's your, been yeah. your experience? Well, some introverts, they only discover that they are introverted when I explain to them what it is. And then they, oh, okay, so that is what it is. They had this feeling that there was something that they could not like put their fingers. Yes, on. yes. Yes. And that's when I was, I was a career counselor for many years and a career coach. And that's one of the other influences, how I got into this work. And I was working in companies and I kept seeing, I knew about Myers-Briggs and I had that defining notion about uh, what an introvert and extrovert was. And it was so helpful to me in my marriage and my relationship as a young married woman spouse. I kind of laugh about it. I was like, my husband used to drive me crazy. Then I realized he, when he would go into his cave, that was absolutely necessary, right? So I got started working in organizations and I kept seeing people be frustrated because they didn't fit in. You saw that too, I'm sure, that yeah. they didn't fit into the norm of the extroverted ideal mm -hmm. and were very, they weren't getting the results. They were being kind of passed over, that sort of thing. In my individual practice, that I had that same experience as you did and it was very gratifying to see people like all of a sudden have a name, a you know, a, a, a title or a name they could identify with. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure you experienced that too. And it's like, oh, enough. And then our role, right, as coaches is to then say, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. Exactly. Because, yeah. right, that pejorative bias that people mm -hmm. internalize is, uh, is very challenging. Yeah. So you consider yourself an extrovert? When did you discuss I am, that? yeah. <laughs> Sorry, see, I jumped in there <laughs> like an extrovert does, right? When so, did I discover it? Yeah, yeah, when how did, did I you discover that? I probably always knew it <laughs> when I was uh, when I was a young girl. I used to get in trouble for talking in school. That I would have to write, "I will not talk" a hundred times. That was that was really effective. I'm saying that facetiously. <laughs> um, and I talked to other extroverts, and they used to get in trouble too for that. You know. Um, I uh, I guess I always I came from a family that was for the most part pretty extroverted. Well, my dad was, um, and so there was a lot of permission to be expressing yourself through words, 
And, um, and then when I took the Myers-Briggs, that's when I had my aha experience. It all sort of made sense to me. It was so helpful. Mm -hmm. You already said that like it's, it's a spectrum. So you must have some introverted things as well, right? You know, you may find this too. We write about what we want to learn and what we write and what we, we are curious about. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, now I've written four books on this topic. And you can't help but become more, you know, tap into that side of yourself. You know, and I, through this journey, uh, I was traveling quite a bit at one point and I was uh, for the few years, not now, of course, but, um, you know, I was traveling and I'd be alone in hotel rooms and I'd say, okay, this, I'm not going to go down to the bar. I really don't want to do that. I, it's not comfortable for me. I'm going to stay in here and I'm going to write and I'm going to be quiet or I'm going to take a walk. And slowly but surely, you know, those kind of experiences and getting into meditation, getting into yoga, all of those Eastern sort of practices, that was the yin and the yang, you know, that I tapped into. And I had a funny experience on this last book with my editor because he, Steve has been with me since the beginning and he's a real introvert. He's a CEO introverted leader, you know. Uh, in fact, that's why he first paid attention to my first book proposal. <laughs> Because he was like, oh, I think I'm an introvert, you know, introverted leader. So anyway, we've been together, you know, 12 years now as far as a partnership. And the last meeting I had with him, he said, Jennifer, I have to tell you something. I think you've become an introvert. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think so. But why do you say that? And he said, well, you know, you come early to meetings. You're listening much more effectively. You know, uh, you're calmer. He started naming all these introvert qualities. And I, I was like, that's worth writing all the books. You know, if I could get that kind of a, he was laughing kind of a little too, because he was kidding me. But I think there was some truth to it. Mm -hmm. I've evolved and I've developed mm -hmm. and we all can. That's what I should try to share with extroverts. The ones who will listen, right? The ones who will listen. Mm -hmm. What, what, uh, what, how you can tap into that other side. Have you found that the case with you that you've been able to, really leverage your extroverted qualities yeah for example I have started doing improv theater to, to help me be more wow. spontaneous and not think too much and be in my head all the time and I really enjoy that how's that been it's been fun it's really really fun because I've discovered that I'm quite strong with words there as well so I'm, I'm making like jokes that just come out spontaneously and sometimes I'm surprising myself so well, that's really, yeah, that's, and that'll help you in your work, I'm sure. Yeah. That's very cool because extroverts don't really filter that much, right? They just mm -hmm. kind of have it come out. And, and introverts admire that, but they also get frustrated with it, of course, for, on many levels. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, that's really cool that you, that you can do that, that yeah, you're tapping really into that side. In, yeah, in, in mutual understanding and, and taking the best bits of both of them and combining that, yeah. Totally. And, you know, people will, are saying to me now, well, how are the extroverts, you know, dealing with the pandemic? You know, they're probably going crazy. And, you know, in a sense, I mean, the longer it goes on with quarantine and, you know, it is hard for a lot of extroverts. And I'm also hearing from them that they're surprised that they're actually enjoying reading books and doing little projects around the house and taking walks and you know, connecting with people one-on-one -on -one, like introverts do, having long phone conversations, all of these things that they were just keeping themselves like a, you know, a wheel, hamster on a wheel running all the time. They're like, oh, now I'm forced to do this. And it's quite refreshing to hear, hear that. Have you heard that as well from people? 
at all? Uh, some of them, yeah, but, but I figure that some people might be more introverted than they think because a lot of people confuse it with shyness and they kind of yes. Stuff. So yes. Now all of a what are you learning? What are you learning? A lot of people ask about that, you know, and, and what about the shyness versus introversion. And my experience has been, again, based on experience, that a lot of introverts were shy as children or labeled shy because they didn't speak up and they seemed like they weren't comfortable in social situations or in school with the parenting, you know, family outings, that kind of thing. And they kind of adopted that label and then it really did affect them and they confuse that themselves with yeah. with yeah, yeah. is that some what have you noticed about shyness or observed shyness from what i've learned is that that is something that you develop after like a bad experience mostly a social experience so that you don't want to get into that situation again and uh, so that is something that you can get rid of whereas introversion is mainly inborn Yes. Yes. Nothing's wrong with it. No, but I but, think because the, the standard is so extroverted, uh, I think introverts keep on telling them like, hey, I'm not like the others, which can maybe make them shy because they don't want to be rejected. Yes. And they don't, they don't socialize. Introverts don't socialize the way extroverts do. But, you know, again, I'll use my husband as a real a benchmark for me to learn. You know, I remember we were when I first met his mom. She was telling me about about Bill, and um, she, you know, his family was very extroverted. They were always trying to figure him out. And she said, "I'm Jennifer. I never could understand because he always people were always calling him. His friends would ask to play with him. They'd come over, the, and and Bill never spoke. He rarely spoke. He was so quiet. And there was that deeper connection he had with friendship that I still see." You know, it's just, it's just, it's quite interesting. So the, so another word, and that's still the case with him and with many introverts have fewer, maybe they don't have as many people in their mm -hmm. lives, but those relationships are so deep. And that's true in the workplace too. Yeah. People get to know, right? That. Yeah. They're very people centered, very interested in other people. They go really, really deep. They go deep, right? Those journalists we were talking about earlier before we got on, right, are curious and they really listen and they engage and they don't just keep it at a superficial level. And so, but introverts look at it and they say, uh, they'll look at an extrovert and they'll say, oh, they can just go in a room and they can just chat people up. And that is a skill that, because extroverts enjoy it. Like as an extrovert, I'll say, the more people I can learn from at a party, like connect with and find out what's happening, I'm like a little bumblebee, I like to kind of go, and I laugh, I, I work with introverts on when we do these sessions on networking. It's like, the, you know what the biggest challenge is in these sessions? What do you think it is when, you, when you're in these parties or you're socially for introverts? Uh, to not have the impression that you need to speak to everyone. That's part of it, that's part of it. But also getting, extricating yourself, getting away from one person, oh, yeah. right? And, and Doing it in a way that's kind of graceful, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we work on things like that. Yeah. But I mean, those parties, if you talk to extroverts, they don't really enjoy them that much either. I mean, and the, the truth comes. So, I mean, the introverts network in a very deep, in a deeper way, and they can use social media. They can, you know, to get connect with people on LinkedIn and do it that way to reach out, to schedule a phone call. You know, so they're planned like we are now having a session mm -hmm. and learning so much more and getting deeper with their relationship. So 
I think we each look at each other sometimes and we think, oh, we're envious, although extroverts don't really as much. <laughs> they, they don't appreciate introverts enough, in my opinion. Mm, yeah, I think it depends. Depends if they know more about what introversion is. That's the key, Caroline. That's the key. You know, I was running uh, sessions in a company that was very pro-introvert. They were, their diversity and inclusion person mm -hmm. was really promoting this. You know, she had me come in, we did keynotes, we did trainings. And then at one point we decided, um, I have a book called The Genius of Opposites. Where am I looking over my head there? <laughs> About how introverts and extroverts make it work, how mm -hmm. they get through those battles, you know, to, to get results. And so we were promoting this program and they said, we need to, the introverts in the, in the classes said, you know, it's great that we're getting empowered and we're feeling more like we're owning our strengths, our quiet strengths. But then we go back on our teams and we have people talking over us and they don't really get this, like you no, said. No. no. So we said, okay, so then I was, they gave me the idea to write that book on the genius of opposites, which I did. And then we started doing classes on it. And guess who showed up? Not the extrovert. Uh, not the introverts, uh, you know, the extroverts. I'm sorry, I'm confused now. We offered it to everybody, and the majority of people who came were the introverts. The extroverts, and, and I kept thinking, why is that? And I would talk to people, they don't have pain yet, right? I mean, you go and get help on things when you're feeling there's a need, and they don't feel like need. Now, as you say, people are getting more aware, and we're trying to make the case, and that's where my work is now with organizations. Like, if you don't hear from 40 to 60% of your teams, it, it's, it's not just like it's a nice thing to do. Think about what you're missing as far as innovation, uh, creativity, getting results on your projects, getting diverse viewpoints. I mean, the evidence is unequivocal now that when you have diversity on a team, different ways of looking at things, it clearly directly impacts performance of your company. Absolutely. I mean, there's no question about that anymore. So we have a very strong business case to be made for this. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's, it's, people say it's a sprint. It's, it, it's, it's not a, a marathon, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I'm mixing up all my analogies this morning. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to take time. Yeah. So, so what made you decide to, to write your new book on the creating introvert friendly workplaces? Creating introvert friendly workplaces really came and emerged from the lessons that I got from the people that I've been talking with and writing about and my readers. And, you know, we, I had been focusing a lot on uh, helping empower people through introverted leadership and quiet influence. And as I mentioned, uh, helping introverts and extroverts on teams understand each other. But if we do that, we also have to look at how does change really occur and at the organizational level. How does it occur in the workplace? Are we asking people who are empowered to then go back in the workplace and have to constantly come up against structures and systems that are not supporting who they are? And so I became very curious about this and I found there was very little, if nothing, written. I mean, I wrote a blog post and when I Googled it, that's what came up, <laughs> my blog post. So uh, I, I started, I did a survey and I got really 
a lot of responses. I got 240 responses. And I decided based on that to craft questions for interviews. And I went out, you mentioned Silicon Valley. I talked to different companies on the phone and also went and did site visits. And I looked at what I was looking for was A, where, were the, where, was the, where were the biggest concerns that introverts have where they felt like they were so frustrated and not being supported in their environments? And number two, where were the pockets of inclusion? Where were best practices occurring? Mm -hmm. And those weren't easy to find, but I found them in interviews and in searching. And they were, you know, example. So the first part of it was, we, you know, we got we got some really compelling research uh, results, and that um, was it was a actually a mixed bag. Uh, like for instance, sixty percent of the of the respondents who were mostly introverts said that uh, remote work was uh, being adopted at their company, and this was before Corona. Okay. Um, I have, I can get the, hang on one sec, put it on hold a second. I'll get the rest of the results because I want to read to you a little few of the stats. Okay, hold on one sec. I should have that in my, I should post this on the wall. So those were the interviews or did you do like a survey as well? Uh, this was from the survey. Yeah, I'm doing, this was based on the survey. Okay, so I'm ready to go. So um, almost 60%, this is the good news, also said it was acceptable for people in their companies to work alone, which was very surprising to me that, you know, it was that high. Um, about 30% observed efforts to engage introverts in meetings, only 30%. And meetings, as you've probably heard, are pain points all the time, right? Everybody hates meetings, but especially for introverts where they're talked over and not asked about what they think and the planning isn't done ahead of time. There's all kinds of barriers that occur. Um, and then only 34% stated, this is again out of 240 respondents, stated that their culture supported introverts in the, uh, in the environment. There, there were a lot more stats. So those percentages got me asking more questions. But the real compelling evidence on that on that survey was uh, were the comments, the frustration that spilled over, and you and I have seen them. I'm sure you have too, on blog posts and um, and on Facebook pages. And there's just so much frustration out there. And here's the challenge too: we don't. A lot of companies will not know when introverts are leaving because they're unhappy because of the fit. They just leave. They'll leave or they check out. So they're not getting, when we talk about productivity, that's the problem. So there, I knew there was grist for the mill there. There was a lot to explore. And, um, and so I decided to go out and learn more. And that led me to the companies that I found as I was doing my work. You know, I get my ideas from everywhere, from listening, from reading like you, and uh, found that there were examples of leaders who were very committed to this modeling and there's lots of examples in the book and i decided to divide up the the findings into seven key areas of work like leadership communication remote work and to look at where the challenges were for introverts what was being done and what you can do and that's a third part in addition to you know finding out the survey results finding out pockets of inclusion then i wanted to have like in my other books sort of a roadmap 
that you can go towards as a change agent because anybody can be a change agent. Anyone can speak up. And so it was, uh, it's been very rewarding. And I look at it as, as a beginning, really a beginning to the conversation. Let's get, let's move into this new area, the next stage of the introvert revolution. So how would you describe an introvert friendly workplace? One that embraces or, or one that um, embraces all kinds of personality types, but is aware of introverts in, in every dimension. Ask that question, is this, are we serving the variety of our personality types? Mm -hmm. Okay. Whether it be in training, whether it be in uh, the office space design, just asking those questions, being aware, just like any element of diversity and inclusion, which is really on the minds of a lot of us right now. Um, this, this question um, isn't oftentimes on the, on the surface or visible. So we need to ask about different elements of diversity. It's different, like wearing different pairs of glasses. Let's look at age, let's look at gender, let's look at race. All of these things need to come into it. So an organization that has that top of mind, that from the senior leadership is talking about this and making it a priority and evaluating managers on how well they're doing in this, that makes up an introvert-friendly organization. Could you give an example of a company that does that? There is not one company that does that now. There's pockets mm -hmm. that I cite in the book. Yeah. In companies like Bosch, in companies like Merck, in companies like 8451. And I think those companies themselves would not say that they're totally introvert friendly. It's just like saying, well, we, you know, we're not racist. Or maybe that's too strong a comparison. Or where we treat women, you know, we're, we're, um, we're totally focused on women all of the time. I think, again, it's a work in progress. Mm -hmm. So I'd hesitate to say that there's one company yet. Mm -hmm. I hope there will be. That's my goal, that we could then say that, you know, these are the top 10. We'll make a list of that. Maybe you and I can work on that together <laughs> internationally. Yeah, they're right. Interesting. Yeah. In, internationally. Um, yeah, and I, and I think that can be driven, you know, it's happening in, in different pockets of companies. So, so I will give you a case example that I actually use in the book. Mm -hmm. It's a company called 8451. Oh, yeah, I know him, Ryan. Yeah. You know him? Yeah, it's Ryan. Ryan, yeah. Fantastic. Well, Ryan actually has a case, he approached me, or somebody introduced me to him um, at the end of, right when I was finishing the manuscript, and he told you about his Itopia, right? Yeah. Is Itopia. So it says for the audience out there, they started a, um, you know, a group based on Ryan coming up to somebody after a session, right? And who was courageous enough to say, this is difficult for me, an introvert. And he said, you know what, it's difficult for a lot of us introverts to speak up, mm -hmm. but there's more issues around this too. They decided to really initiate uh, their uh, changes. So you know that and you'll be sharing that. So that's an example of a driver. He's, you know, he's a director, Ryan's a director and he is a change agent and he's created lots of change agents and the diversity inclusion leads, the HR leads, all are on board with this mm -hmm. and they're educating everybody about it. But, you know, Edgar Schein wrote about, about change and he makes the case and I, I quoted him in the book, you know, you can't have it. I'm not going to quote him directly, but I'm going to say his idea was you will not have change until you have it 
supported from the top. Mm -hmm. So that's where we're headed. That's where we're headed, getting those involved. Another example for you, Caroline McGregor, who is a um, executive at Merck, the pharmaceutical company. Mm -hmm. Caroline, you know, had me come in and talk with a, uh, a group of their high potential, well, that's not high potential, a retreat that they had with um, experienced R&D scientists and who are my peeps, you know, they're probably like yours. They're introverts, right? And so they need to get, get more educated and get more empowered and all this good stuff. What I learned about Caroline is why she's executive sponsor of this group and has now gone around the company giving presentations about her introverted leadership style and how she identifies of all the characteristics in her life and all of her markers, her identifiers as a Scottish, Scottish person, as a woman in a minority, you know, in a, in a leadership position. All of those things do not compare to the fact that she's an introvert. That's her major identifier. So she gets up and talks about her struggles and her, how she overcame those. And I can tell you the people I spoke with who listened to these talks have been completely bowled over and, and inspired. Mm -hmm. So you get lots of Carolyn's talk, you know, Caroline's talking about this, by the way, Carolyn, Caroline, uh, talking about this in different companies and in, a, in one organization. And then that gives permission for others to come out. And that's, you know, that's how we change cultures. Mm -hmm. one step at a time. But I can tell you, even though there's a lot to be done still, and I feel this about the women's movement because I'm a real activist with women, I, I, look, I can look, I have the advantage of having some years <laughs> under my belt and working in this space for at least 12 years. And I, I see a real evolution. I mean, people like you, there was no such thing as an introvert coach. I would be interviewed i would you know i had a wall street journal reporter call me early on when i was doing this work and uh, i had written an article about it and she wanted to get my my opinion she goes okay this is great i need some real you know how a journalist you need some real mm -hmm. people <laughs> and she said i can't get anybody to talk to me on the record who will admit at the c level the executive level that they are an introvert and that, you know, that's introvert bias. Mm -hmm. And and it's I would argue that's still true in many cases. Yeah. Yeah, because also in your in your new book you talk about anti introvert bias, right? Yeah, anti introvert yeah. bias. So what kind of bias have you come across during your research? Wow, so much. Um well, it start, you know, it started early on when I was looking at introverted leaders and you might want to wait, you know, share what your experience has been. Um, one of the areas that it really does come up a lot and I think that it has the most potential for damage is recruiting, hiring and recruiting. And uh, that's where I think it emerges in a very serious way, because what we do oftentimes in companies is we don't clarify enough what the competencies are that are actually needed to get a job done and create uh, barriers to people who might not be all smiley and expressive, you know, maybe not communicate as well as they could in an interview. And we, it's a knockout. They don't even get past the first level. Think about what we're losing. There were several examples that were shown to me uh, or, or given to me by 
some senior HR people who said that they had pushed for, they had been change agents, they had been advocates, they had pushed for people who were not very vibrant and maybe didn't come across so great, but they knew that they could really do great in the job. They just knew it. And based on their experience, they had all the skill sets. So why knock them out? And so they would hire them. And then these people soared to the top. But think about that, how many times that happens where it's implicit bias. Now, again, taking that recruiting, that was one example. Another, I was sitting with a group of managers and that we were looking at how they could take a look at their recruiting program and their hiring program. It was more, more their interviewing day mm -hmm. and look at, you know, they were taking all aspects of it. And they said, you know what? We have people come in and they have to make, they have to talk to all these groups. You know, we've all been on those interviews. They're exhausting for everybody. He said, and then after the two days, we have them do a presentation. They have, to, they said they're exhausted. They're not their best. We're knocking those people. You know, so it's looking at every level of the organization um, that there, that there's bias. I was sitting in a training class myself, getting some training in a re retreat a few years ago when I was really kind of being, had my antenna out and this trainer, this facilitator was there and she goes, we're going to do this. She was very extroverted. <laughs> we're going to do this and we're going to go here. And then I want you to go meet with this person. And I was like, oh, this is bad. This is bad for everybody, but especially introverts. And one woman, I, to her credit, she raised her hand too. People have to speak out, right? Mm -hmm. And she says, are there any questions? She goes, we're going to go there. She goes, you know, you're asking us lots of questions. It really, for the introverts in the room, this is just too much. Can we take some time to think? Can we write down our responses and reflect? And the, tra and the trainer said, oh, really? You know, she was like shocked. <laughs> she said, oh, I guess you could do that. Well, of course, when that happened, the results were so much richer, mm -hmm. the responses. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I've heard so many pockets of these sort of examples of where we just like, let's stop. Do you have an agenda for this meeting? You know. So there's so many different aspects. I mentioned there's seven areas I looked at. And so if you can think of each one of these has, has bias in them. I mentioned the, the recruiting. I mentioned the, um, the, the workplace design, how we design offices. And that's going to be interesting now as we're starting to go back to offices. Definitely. Um, we, we need more space. Do you think introverts will like that? Yeah. More space, not like the open plan offices more space within the open plan yeah and a different setup i would say many uh many introverts talked about in their comments about how it, even though there might have been a quiet room or a separate room to do work in some of the modern open spaces they were quickly taken over by storage or meetings so you know we're not going to be able to have these small meetings but who knows yeah. so office space design i looked at leadership communication, uh, training. There's one more. A learning, oh, learning and development was another one. Teamwork, how teams work together. Yeah. Yeah. So those are some of those seven areas. And then gave people some ideas for what they could do. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned leadership. Well, mm -hmm. What I've seen is that more extroverted leaders often are not really aware of the preferences of, of introverts. So what would your advice be for, for extroverted leaders? Yeah, I'll tell you and just a quick anecdote. I was hired with this uh, technology consulting firm and the, the person who hired me, 
I didn't realize this till after I got there, unfortunately. So it was an uphill battle. <clears throat> Important to do more due diligence. But this woman said to me, uh, listen, I, I know you're talking about introverted leadership. I want these guys to become extroverts. She didn't really reveal it to me till I got there. So I, it, you know, can you imagine? I mean, this is, this is, this is anti-introverted leadership, right? Yeah. I mean, she came out, at least she came out and said it. Some people are a little more subtle, but they still believe that. Mm -hmm. They think the extroverted ideal. Well, you know, I, I kind of laugh with that, but a lot of times it's about just being quiet and listening, right? And getting to know people, this, um, one-on-one -on -one meetings are very important. Uh, we know that in effective manager employee relationships anyway, that you need to make that a priority for coaching, for finding out where you can share the mission and vision that, you that you're trying to execute and can align that with the work of people. We know that in general, but introverts will really appreciate that one-on-one -on -one versus doing that always in meetings, right? So as a leader, you wanna look at how you're communicating how are you setting boundaries too and communicating those expectations? So an example is with work from home now, I'm hearing from a lot of introverts that they're exhausted, partly because partly of the Zoom meetings and everything, and there's too many of those, but it's also they're working all the time. You know how that can happen. Mm -hmm. And their managers are not helping them set boundaries. Like, and they're sending emails at two in the morning, so they're expected. Yeah, so um, I think it's really about connecting with all of your employees, but especially your introverts so that you can understand what's going on with them. Cause they're not going to necessarily bring that up to you when they're having concerns and challenges. So making the space for that mm -hmm. and not trying to take things over to really listen, right? Listen, listen, let them also communicate to you through writing. And one of, one of the things I've been trying to advise people now is to utilize on these virtual calls and with Slack and all these programs, use the chat. Because don't expect people just always to talk. Mm -hmm. What would introverts do themselves if, if they work in a workplace that is not that introvert friendly? How can they like make that a priority? Well, that's, that's such a good question. Uh, they, first of all, it depends on what the issue is. They need to get in touch themselves with what, what the concern and challenge is. So that's a little bit broad to say, well, is it not introvert friendly? <clears throat> you have to analyze what the problem is. Maybe it's not an introvert issue, right? But if it is, if you're not being heard, for instance, you need to have some allies to, to kind of talk to about this you know, and, and to get clear about having a communication with your manager or with your team. <clears throat> I think one of the things that's been helpful is to, you know, with some of these groups, the ERG groups is to have, like I mentioned, the Itopia. I'd like to see more of that where introverts can share with other introverts. In the classes that I've taught uh, and facilitated, the one of the, I would say the most effective piece of that class is the fact that people chat together you know, in, in convening conversations, that's what I'm really trying to do now more is getting people to talk about their concerns and then problem solving like you do in coaching to help them figure a way to approach that leader, to, you know, register the concern in real time. Like I mentioned, I have a couple of um, things here that I want to share that uh, in the book about, um, and about being a change agent. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that can apply here as well. There is a quiz as well that I'd encourage people to take. So they don't get overwhelmed. It's on my website too, jenniferconweller.com, but it's also in the book. And it helps you kind of figure out where it's going well for you, you know, as far as your team and your workplace mm -hmm. and where there's opportunities to work on things. Okay. Yeah. So I think that would be, yeah. that would be good. The quiz is on the, yeah, the quiz is on the website too. Okay. So starting conversations is one thing that I talk about um, involving other introverts in the research. If we all think that this is not conducive, let's, let's look at what's happening and present a proposal. You know, I remember when I first put something forward on when I had small kids and nobody was doing work, uh, work at home. And I was like, I, I can't work here every day. I need some flexibility. I need to cut back a little bit. Mm -hmm. Everybody's like, oh, you're going to really do that? And I made a business case for it. So how can you work with other people to make a business case, right? Yeah. Um, and, and bringing it up to senior leadership, bringing it up in your teams, as you said, Caroline, it's, it's, about, it's about talking about the elephant in the room mm -hmm. and educating other people. It's, when people understand about this, then there's much more acceptance like anything else. You know, years ago, I remember when I was facilitating a, a workshop on introverts, there was a team that came together from a local university. They had attended it together. And it came out in the discussion that they were very frustrated with one of their team members because she never left the office. She missed when we had private offices. Mm -hmm. She never left. She closed her door at lunch. And they all, mostly extroverts, wanted to go, have you been there? Socialize, right? Mm -hmm. And hang out together. Yeah. And, and so they were getting increasingly frustrated <clears throat> with her. And she turned to them. I remember her face right now. She turned to them and in the, in the, they were sitting like in a row and she said, guys, I just want to, uh, I just need alone time. I need to a break at lunch. I'm an introvert. And if I don't get that break, I'm gonna be very testy and frustrated to work with in the afternoon when you are hanging out with me. And they said, really? We didn't know you were an introvert. What does that mean? You know, she started explaining. How does that show up for you? It was illuminating. And I did talk with that team afterwards and they told me it was really a breakthrough. Yeah. It's not a big deal. So that's kind of what we find, right? When people talk, yeah. get the elephant out of the room. Exactly, yeah. So, so do, you, do you see a certain role there for introverted leaders as well? So what that do you mean role? Yeah, to put that on the agenda of a company because they know so much more about how it is to be an introvert. I think yes. And yes. And they say that in improv, right? <laughs> you were talking about improv. Right. Exactly. Yes. And, or, or, yeah, yeah. and is it that way they say? Yeah. Yes. And yeah, it's, it's, it's never no, but. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I absolutely introverted leaders. Like I mentioned, like Cara, Carolyn or Caroline, uh, and others can really make a difference in modeling and leading the way. But I, you know, I have felt my role as an ally and an advocate is very important too. And, and we're talking about that a lot now in different areas of diversity, that it's very important to speak up for introverts and to educate yourself about what that looks like. And then question and have that always have that lens of like, oh, are we serving the introverts? When I designed this meeting, 
am I having some breaks in there or am I allowing people to just write their thoughts instead of constantly brainstorming, let's do brain writing. These little, I can tell you, introverts have told me they have so much gratitude when somebody actually thinks of them mm -hmm. and thinks of what's the best way for them to get this information and ask them, like, how many breaks should we build into this day? Um, is this working for you? How could we make it more introvert friendly? You know, Carolyn, so I think together, uh, whether we're introverts, extroverts, we can all make a shift mm -hmm. with this, with this uh, idea of inclusivity, inclusivity yeah. for introverts. Yeah. So, how, so. Do you how do you think we could create more mutual understanding between introverts and extroverts for them to really see each other's strength instead of like what they don't have? Well, I, my focus is the workplace. And what I'm increasingly realizing is that people relate to stories. They remember stories 22 times more than they do just giving them content, giving them descriptions. And where they resonate is thinking about their family, their friends. And when you can relate it to people and their understanding of why maybe they're coming up against frustrations with their spouse or their child or their sister or brother, and they have that lens to look through, those eyeglasses, then uh, it's like, oh, oh yeah. And you know, and I'm thinking about my team right now and who might be introverts, extroverts. Let's bring this up. Let's do an assessment. Let's kind of see the composition of our team. Do we have enough diversity? They start asking the questions once they can personally relate. Sorry about that, my phone going off. Um, per once they can personally relate. Mm -hmm. So that's been my biggest, I think that my biggest learning throughout all this, Caroline, is like, let's, let's bring it down to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then we can, just like I talked about with Bill, my husband, that's what got me into working in the workplace yeah. and saying, this is important content. This is, we all need to be talking about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Make it personal. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's really good advice indeed to, to make it very relatable for other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, so what is your, your end point? When, when is your work done here? <laughs> when is my work done? You mean looking ahead in the future? Yeah. Like, like, what do you, um, yeah. want, what do you want companies to, to achieve in this field of, of introversion and being introvert friendly? I want them to, I want us not to have to keep educating people that, that introversion is a part of just how we, define ourselves, our teams as one aspect of it that's totally accepted and embraced, uh, that's looked at as a strength, that our systems are all designed within the workplace to accommodate and to um, include, not so much accommodate, but include introverts so that um, we have a balanced workforce that then creates really, just like within ourselves, where we're balanced and we're tapping into both sides, we're able to tap into all the beautiful strengths of introverts, extroverts, ambiverts, and everybody else. It's it's very uh, beautiful picture as I look ahead. So, I'm looking forward to that. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you so much for your work and for having me. Thank you for listening. If you want to learn even more about Jennifer's new book, go to jenniferkahnweiler.com. And also make sure to follow my own company on social media, which is called Quiet Quality. Thank you, 
and hope to see you next time.